Hi, this is Claudia Offer. I hope you're having a terrific day, and if you're not, I hope this podcast helps make it a little better. Welcome back to Audio Law, the law podcast for busy people, brought to you by Illustrated Law. Today's episode will cover the case Cullison v. Medley, 570 Northeastern Reporter, 2nd Series, 27, from the year 1991. And this case will allow us to look more into severe emotional distress, and more specifically, what the impact rule has to do with the tort charge. But before we jump into the case, I'd like to remind you that our show largely relies on the support of our listeners. In order to really further your support beyond tuning in, you can go to www.illustratedlaw.com. You'll see a green donate button on the homepage. By giving a dollar or two, you really help our show and you enable us to be able to create more helpful episodes just like this one. Any support you're able to give, whether it's monetary or just listening to the episodes, is greatly appreciated. Thank you for considering donating. With that, let's go ahead and get into the facts of Collison v. Medley. According to Collison's deposition testimony on February 2, 1986, he encountered Sandy, the 16-year-old daughter of Ernest, in a Linton, Indiana, grocery store parking lot. They exchanged pleasantries, and Collison invited her to have a Coke with him and to come to his home to talk further. A few hours later, someone knocked on the door of his mobile home. Collison got out of bed and answered the door. He testified that he saw a person standing in the darkness who said that she wanted to talk to him. Collison answered that he would have to get dressed because he had been in bed. Collison went back to his room, dressed, and returned to the darkened living room of his trailer. When he entered the living room and turned the lights on, he was confronted by Sandy Medley, as well as by Father Ernest, Brother Ron, Mother Doris, and brother-in-law Terry Simmons. Ernest was on crutches due to knee surgery and had a revolver and a holster strapped to his thigh. Collison testified that Sandy called him a, quote, pervert and told him that he was, quote, sick. Mother Doris berated him while keeping her hand in her pocket, convincing Collison that she also was carrying a pistol. Ron and Terry said nothing to Collison, but their presence in his trailer home further intimidated him. Primarily, however, Collison's attention was riveted to the gun carried by Ernest. Collison testified that while Ernest never withdrew the gun from his holster, he, quote, grabbed for the gun a few times and shook the gun, unquote, at plaintiff while threatening to, quote, jump a straddle, unquote, of Collison if he did not leave Sandy alone. Collison testified that Ernest, quote, kept grabbing at it with his hand like he was going to take it out and took it to mean he was going to shoot me, unquote. When Ernest threatened to jump a straddle of Collison, Although no one actually touched Collison, his testimony was that he feared he was about to be shot throughout the episode because Ernest kept moving his hand toward the gun as if to draw the revolver from the holster while threatening Collison to leave Sandy alone. 
As the medleys were leaving, Collison suffered chest pains and feared that he was having a heart attack. Approximately two months later, Collison testified that Ernest glared at him in a menacing manner while again armed with a handgun at a restaurant in Linton. On one of these occasions, Ernest stood next to the booth where Collison was seated while wearing a pistol and holster approximately one foot from Collison's face. Shortly after the incident at his home, Collison learned that Ernest had previously shot a man. This added greatly to his fear and apprehension of Ernest on the later occasion when Ernest glared at him and stood next to the booth at which he was seated while armed with a handgun in a holster. Collison testified that as a result of the incident, he sought psychological counseling and therapy and continued to see a therapist for approximately 18 months. Additionally, Collison sought psychiatric help and received prescription medication, which prevented him from operating power tools or driving an automobile, thus injuring Collison in his sole proprietorship construction business. Additionally, Collison testified that he suffered from nervousness, depression, sleeplessness, inability to concentrate, and impotency following his run-in with the Medleys. The issue is as follows. Whether the impact rule prohibits Collison from recovering under any of several legal theories for emotional distress resulting from the Medleys alleged wrongdoings. And we can continue with the reasoning. We can break the reasoning into really two sections, one that covers assault and one that really dives into intentional infliction of emotional distress. So we'll begin with the assault section. It is axiomatic that assault, unlike battery, is effectuated when one acts intending to cause a harmful or offensive contact with the person of the other, or an imminent apprehension of such contact. It is the right to be free from the apprehension of a battery, which is protected by the tort action, which we call an assault. Because it is a touching of the mind as opposed to the body, the damages which are recoverable for an assault are damages from mental trauma and distress. Quote, Any act of such a nature as to excite an apprehension of a battery may constitute an assault. It is an assault to shake a fist under another's nose, to aim or strike at him with a weapon, or to hold it in a threatening position, to rise or advance to strike another, to surround him with a display of force. Unquote. Additionally, the apprehension must be one which would normally be aroused in the mind of a reasonable person. Finally, the tort is complete with the invasion of the plaintiff's mental peace. Now, for the intentional infliction of emotional distress facet of the reasoning. The definition of the tort of intentional infliction of emotional distress is that Quote, one who, by extreme and outrageous conduct, intentionally or recklessly causes severe emotional distress to another, is subject to liability for such emotional distress. Unquote. It is the intent to harm one emotionally that constitutes the basis for the tort of an intentional infliction of emotional distress. 
Cullison points to evidence that the Medleys knew that he disliked guns, and therefore argues that a jury could infer from this knowledge that Ernest's wearing of the gun was intended to inflict emotional injury on Collison. We believe that this fact, standing alone, cannot be stretched into such an inference without breaking. With that, that culminates the reasoning section of the case. So before we go any further, we'll quickly hear about this episode's sponsor. This episode was brought to you by Illustrated Law. Unlike traditional law books, Illustrated Law books have illustrations, practice questions with answers, key takeaway summaries, and so much more. It's the simple way to learn law efficiently. There are currently three Illustrated Law books available, and those are Constitutional Law, Torts Concepts, and Criminal Procedure, Investigation, and Justice. Order your illustrated law book today on Amazon for only $15. Let's see what this case's holding has in store for us. The facts alleged and testified to by Collison could, if believed, entitle him to recover for an assault against the Medleys. A jury could reasonably conclude that the Medleys intended to frighten Collison by surrounding him in his trailer and threatening him with bodily harm, while one of them was armed with a revolver, even if that revolver was not removed from the holster. Collison testified that Ernest kept grabbing at the pistol as if he were going to take it out, and that Collison thought Ernest was going to shoot him. It is for the jury to determine whether Collison's apprehension of being shot or otherwise or injured was one which would normally be aroused in the mind of a reasonable person. It was error for the trial court to enter summary judgment on the count to allegation of assault. Under proper circumstances, liability will attach to a defendant for an intentional infliction of emotional distress, but... The facts in this case do not support a finding that the Medleys intended to cause emotional injury to Cullison. So, we're left with a few really key takeaways from this case, and those are the father's hand on the holster and the mere words made the circumstances enough to warrant a reasonable apprehension of an imminent battery, giving grounds for an assault. Mere words do not constitute an assault unless they're together with other acts or circumstances that put the other person in reasonable apprehension of imminent contact. A lasting impression that you might want to really try to remember from this case is this concept of mere words and how in this case we saw that the mere words were coupled with the action of the hand on the holster and the repeated action of reaching for the pistol and that combination is what allowed there to be a basis for an assault. 
And that wraps up Coulson v. Medley. Thanks for listening to another episode of Audio Law. If you enjoyed it, tell your friends about our podcast and check out some of our other episodes. As Audio Law is the law podcast for busy people, I hope this episode helped make your day a little less busy. Thank you.